When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's not about me I'm only here for a minute And I know that I can't fix it I can help even just a little bit Won't you let me try Hello, welcome to our Lazen Powers. This is Scott Powers of The Athletic. I am with Mark Lazarus of The Athletic. Mark, hello. Um, it feels that we're, we're back to like having a normal podcast. Like the last last week we had the, the call-in show and then I was off and now it's just you and I trying to fill up time. Well, I don't know how normal it's going to be because the cat keeps jumping on my lap and he's already murdered three mice in the last three days. And then yesterday, spent about 15 minutes playing with one that we had to catch in a mac and cheese cup. And my wife walked about six blocks to an open field to let it go. Uh, so this is my life now. Um, it's very exciting. These little tiny, very cute, very tiny, very fast mice have infiltrated my 92-year-old house that I regret buying immediately now. <laughs> and uh, this is this is what I do. So I'm hoping that at no point will, during this podcast will I like become like a, a comic strip character from the 1930s and jump on a table and scream, eek! As a mouse runs over my foot. So we'll see how this goes. There hasn't been like a sighting of like dozens of mice, right? Like you just. No, we, 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 we have seen four so far and they've all been individual sightings. Yeah. Um, at least it's not like rats, right? Like that's. Yes. Yes. It, it, it's funny because like my kids are freaking out, obviously, because the first one we saw was in their room. So they're like, well, where are we sleeping? I'm like, well, in your room because there's nowhere else for you to sleep. So we're, we're all learning to live with the mice. There are new overlords. So we will feed them and nurture them uh, until they take us over. I'm pretty sure we had like a discussion like this before because I remember talking about rats growing up in my neighborhood and like I'm sure like I don't know we've been doing this podcast for a while now. I don't I don't think I've ever seen a rat in light in real life and I hope I never do. Yeah, no, they're not. I I remember yeah I remember seeing one when I was really young at my my basement and yeah. <laughs> like like I, I've seen them like when you're in when you're in like Manhattan and you're you're, you're waiting for a subway to, uh, coming like you'll see them scurrying along the tracks like that's as close as I ever want to get to a rat because <laughs> those things are like the size of subway cars. Yeah, no, that's uh, yeah, they're not not fun. Um, oh, yeah, aside from the rat that chewed my uh, my engine last year, remember when I chewed my? Oh, electrical? that's right, that's right. Yes, that's <laughs> that's way city life too many. I should be moving to Indiana instead of that's what I'm in saying. City. You're, you're you're city rat. I'm country mouse. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna have the country <laughs> mouse. <laughs> um, so Blackhawks, like I, I, I don't know what to talk about on the ice these days. Like uh, certainly trade deadlines coming up, but it, 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 it seems like the off-site stuff is, is obviously kind of the more interesting uh, material with them these days. There's the GM search, which sounds like it's coming, uh, coming close to a conclusion. And, and then there's, and then yeah, I mean, like Monday it was like an off day, you know, like they didn't practice and it was a holiday. And then uh, the score breaks that you know the Blackhawks have parted ways with Bobby Hall, which which happened a long time ago and. Uh, you know, it hadn't leaked. So, um, yeah, just it, it, there's there's still this constant, like, there's, um, 
and and you know from what it sounds like it, you know at least what the blackhawks are going to say on the record or um you know just it, it it sounds like it was a convenient time to kind of move away from bobby hall from you know he's living in florida and he you know, hasn't been around as much but you got to feel like everything sort of stems from just uh danny words having a larger role and you know jamie faulkner and just um, you know, them trying to be a better organization in a lot of different ways. Well, it, you know, it, it's funny. Well, it's not funny, but like everything they do that even is good news uh, comes with baggage, right? I mean, you know, you look at this, it's like, well, that's good. They parted ways with, frankly, this is just my personal opinion, a terrible human being who never should have been affiliated with the team in the first place post-career. That's a good thing. It was the smart thing. It was the right thing. Yes, it was overdue, but they did it. But then we have to talk about the fact that they've been affiliated with Bobby Hall for the last, you know, 13 years, whatever it's been, since he was brought on as an ambassador along with Stan Makita, a wonderful man, uh, uh, right after uh, Rocky took over. Um, it's just like with the DJ Jones thing in Rockford. They did the right thing. They, they took an allegation seriously. They immediately investigated it, and then they immediately dismissed the guy upon you know the results. That's a good thing. But it's also it comes with the baggage of well, this happened again under the watch of the of the Blackhawks, and it, it's it's even the good news is bad news. It feels like like it's like when's the last time we just had a happy fun Blackhawks story? I mean, honestly. Yeah, to bring it in the shoot in the in the all three. <laughs> like, yeah, 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 that's probably it. Yeah, although I thought he was playing with a baby's head at that one moment. So at first it was looking like pretty bad, but that was a football. But yeah, uh, there there are so few moments like like Kevin Lankinen came in today. Uh, he he, he practiced uh, he practiced with the team. He's probably going to play this weekend. That's the one bit of news uh, that came out of practice is that Lankinen's back as the backup goalie. And he sits down. He goes, "Hey guys, how you doing? A oh, long time no see." And he's like, "He's like, oh, I'm the happiest guy in the room." He literally said, "Because I'm the happiest guy in the room right now." And it's like, "Oh, that's right. You can be." happy and having fun like the the team on the ice is bad and losing and frustrated and everyone's unhappy and miserable off the ice is all these things that we have to get through and deal with and corrections that have to be made and they're making them it's to their credit they are making these corrections but it's such a slog right now everything that comes with the Blackhawks comes with like emotional strings attached and it's exhausting it's exhausting as a writer covering this team not that anybody cares but it's got to be exhausting as a fan it's got to be exhausting as a player it's got to be exhausting for Danny Wirtz and Jamie Faulkner just the constant you know things that are going on so it was it was it was almost jarring to see Kevin Lankin and come in with a big smile on his face and be like hey I'm playing hockey this is great and, and part of it's a lot of it you know even with the whole thing like it's not resolved you know like there's there's a statue of Bobby Hall outside of the United States right. and there there probably will continue to be and uh, like it, it's a complicated, yeah. It's it's always gonna be complicated, and and that's yeah. There's so many layers to, um, yeah. There's so many layers to this, right? Like it just, it, and that's I guess that's it. You know, like there's there's certainly the stuff with Kyle Beach, and but it's also about the culture, and it's about, um, and then there's things that yeah. Then there's the, the logo, and you know how what their relationship with the Native American community is, or you know like there's so many different layers to all this stuff that it's, um. And in the fact that they aren't winning, like it, it certainly it does, you know, like the conversation isn't swaying to the ice, and I, and, and the friends aren't distracted as much by by what's happening on the ice. So, and and and, and honestly, just on the ice, it's just the GM search, right? Like it's right. It, it sounds like the advisory committee is finally, um, you know, getting more involved, and they're interviewing some of the candidates. And um, yeah, like I, I would think in the next week or two, like the like the deadlines would less. What's the March 21st. March 21st, less than a month now. Less we've been talking We've been talking about it for 3 months cuz there's been nothing else to talk about, but it's finally coming. <laughs> we could finally write about it more and not seem strange about <laughs> it. Uh we'll, we'll have a piece uh yeah, it's trade deadline related tomorrow and I'm sure many pieces in the coming weeks. Um but yeah, like there yeah, there, there there's so much going on with the organization and and um 
yeah, my gut feeling still says Kyle Davidson. Um, I, I know that you know, like it, it at this point. Yeah, I like there's enough being said about other people that I I think that there are other uh, candidates who are being um, evaluated and and are potential you know potentially hired. Um, I just I, I think a lot of it that that is complicated too, just because of the timeline. Like it's just you you talk about a uh, less than a month, and if it's you know if if it's someone from the baseball side or someone that's not. Um, you know, uh, in hockey or, or just someone coming from a different organization. Like, I think it's all all challenging. Um, and, and I think you need Kyle Davidson. If it isn't Kyle Davidson, you need him on board uh, to to make whatever transition smooth. Yeah, it's really interesting to hear, uh, you know, you and I spend a lot of our time just kind of talking to people in and around hockey uh, of what people expect. And for so long, it's been, yeah, it's going to be Kyle Davidson. The rest of this is just kind of for show. But as it drags on, there seems to be more and more people who think, well, maybe, you know, Scott Mellaby's the guy, or maybe, you know, Eric Tulski's going to make the big leap because everyone thinks so highly of him. Or maybe it's going to be, um, you know, uh, I don't think anybody thinks it's going to be Peter Chiarelli, to be honest with you. But, and, and the idea of Jeff Greenberg and Teresa Resch, the Raptors uh, vice president of basketball ops, who has not officially been announced as an interview candidate, but I believe has actually talked with the Blackhawks about the job. Uh, she's an interesting candidate. Like, can, can she or Jeff Greenberg change sports? And make that job with Kyle Davidson maybe as kind of like a consigliere there to 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 you know to for the granular details of the current depth chart and what you're looking for. Like there's all these interesting possibilities. And you know Elliot Friedman on his 32 Thoughts podcast uh, said the other day uh, something that I had heard too, which is that Danny Wirtz is kind of Kyle Davidson's his guy, and it's just a matter of convincing Jamie Faulkner. Um, you know, she wants to do that. She wants to do her due diligence and and see what everyone has to offer. But um, it, it's interesting to see how the, the 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 dynamics of this new structure, because really this is the first major decision, other than you know the ouster of Stan Bowman and the hiring of uh, a promotion of Derek King and Kyle Davidson that this group has done. Right, everything else they've done over the last two years has been kind of behind the scenes. We don't get to see it, so this is a little more public. The way it plays out, there's a lot more leaks, and we hear things about what's going on, and it's interesting to see the dynamics at play. Um, how they make these decisions and bringing in the advisory committee, like you mentioned, with uh, Marion Hosa and Patrick Sharp, Eddie Olchek, people that we have for years assumed would have a job in the Blackhawks organization someday, quite frankly. Uh, they're getting involved in this. And what's their role going to be after the, the, the hire is made? Will they be somehow in hockey ops in some kind of advisory capacity? There's a lot of moving pieces to this. And it's, it's going to be really interesting to see how it plays out because, yeah, I think a month ago we were sure. I was with you. 100% it was going to be Kyle Davison. Now – I'd say he's the favorite, but I don't think he's running away with it by any mind, by any means. I'm curious, and I'm sure some of this will come out afterward. That how much of what the hockey advisory committee says is is what they you know what they take on. You know, like what, are they going to accept that if they say Kyle Davidson's the right person or the wrong person or what? You know, like how much of that is that can be carried over to what? Dan, like I assume Danny Words has the final say, and they'll probably you know Rocky probably gets to say something, but that Danny's say, and it sounds like Jamie Faulkner is largely. Uh, you know, largely involved in this too, and she's been involved in all the meetings, and um, it, it, which you know, I, I guess coming off of John McDonough and having uh, someone who you know John McDonough was overseeing that hockey ops, and it sounded like they wanted more separation between that. So for Jamie Faulkner to have a role, um, yeah, I'm curious what everyone's kind of you know where where how much of whose weight gets thrown around here and whose opinion matters most. And well, remember, sure, Danny Wirtz said that the GM is going to report to me. Directly, right? So yeah. Dan Danny Wirtz was asserting himself as the overseer of hockey ops as the CEO. And I guess we'll see how this plays out if that's if 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 he really is kind of, you know, 
in complete control of that or if it's been more of a group thing. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The, the other part that's challenging is that, like, I'm sure that Danny Wirtz and Jamie Faulkner in their interviews, like, there's hockey questions that I'm sure that they, they're knowledgeable enough to be be asked but it also it feels like such a larger position because of what's happened in the organization last year like there's so much uh there's so much baggage that kind of comes with the position and questions that are going to be asked beyond the hockey stuff so um and it just it feels like in season like a lot of those hires are difficult like um you know yeah hiring outside of the sport like i i I feel like i'd be more understanding of that if it wasn't in season it wasn't like doing this before the trade that long you brought us brought someone in the off season and like it was more of like a smooth transition, and um, you know, yeah. I, I guess I just I also just wonder under what Davidson role is going to be after you know if he's not the person. Like you, um, yeah. Like it, it's it's going to be difficult for him to swallow if he isn't hired. You know, and and uh, you know, like you're you've been presented this position for this long, and um, you know, you're you're either being said that you didn't live up to those expectations, or or you know, there's someone's better than you, and someone potentially outside of the game, you know, outside of hockey's better than you. So like I. Um, yeah, I don't, yeah, it'll, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm like all of us. I think I'm really curious to see how this plays out here in the next week. I like the idea of looking into other sports. I got no problem with that whatsoever. You know, whether it's Jeff Greenberg, Teresa Resch, Theo Epstein, whoever you want to talk about, like, I got no problem with that. If the structure is going to be different than what we've been told it's going to be. Yeah. Danny Wirtz has said it will be one general manager, no president of hockey ops. The one general manager will report directly to Danny Wirtz, which in effect makes Danny Wirtz the president of hockey ops in a way. I, if that's your setup, then it can't be a baseball or a basketball person. It makes no sense to me. If, if you're just going to have the GM, even if you have smart people around that person, like Kyle Davidson, like, you know, uh, Brian Campbell or, you know, Marion Hosa, Eddie Olchek, whoever it's going to be, I, you can't have that person be coming in, especially, like you said, midseason and, and orchestrating a trade deadline and a draft and then free agency. If you were bringing someone in to be the president of hockey ops, with a GM, with a capologist underneath them, a Brendan Shanahan, Kyle Dubas type situation, which is what I think we all expected to have happen here originally, then I'd have no problem with it with someone from outside the sport coming in. Teresa Resch or or Jeff Greenberg or anybody else could come in and you know they don't have to worry about the granular details of contracts and and, and long term injured reserve and you know bonus overages right away. They can be the the vision, the architects, the uh, building up an organization while having a public face and 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 in the PR side of things uh, and directing the GM, certainly working in concert with the GM. But if you're just going to have one person overseeing all of hockey ops, it's got to be a hockey person. I, I just, I don't see it being any other way. I, I like the idea of bringing someone outside of hockey in the, be within the hockey ops and, and building them up and giving God, them the knowledge. God, if any sport needs outside 
council god it's hockey right yeah it's it just it, i think a lot of you know there's a lot of that's done in a lot of different sports that's transferable you know and and the knowledge or or, or th- different way of thinking of things and different way of uh, dealing with contracts or dealing with strategy even like there's uh you know like jack on on, on twitter like often they'll bring tennis or something into into hockey just to show that you know how strategies are in soccer how strategies can be utilized within the hockey and, and i think something like that would be smart you know dealing with athletes or all that it's just hard to put someone like that in charge you know like and and i i like the idea of hiring someone and then having that person um, you know, gain the experience and understand the sport and then eventually be the GM someday. I think that's a great story. I think that's something that's more realistic. It's yeah, I think it's a lot more challenging to uh, implement someone at the at the top of the ladder from uh, from another sport and, and um, you know, like anointing them as uh, yeah, anointing them in this in this sport. And yeah, I don't know. It's, it's just it's, it's yeah, it's really hard to do. Like it just I don't know how realistic it is or not. And let's be honest, the NBA is so much bigger than the NHL. Even baseball is so much bigger than the NHL. Is that really a step up for Jeff Greenberg or Teresa Resch to go from, you know, a, a high-ranking position at an, in another sport to the top position in hockey? Like, I'm not even sure that's a lateral move, given the, the, the stature of, like, the NBA is massive. And being the director of basketball ops for an NBA team is a huge job. So I'm not sure that going and coming being the GM of the Blackhawks would even be a step up in that situation. Yeah, no, that, and that and that's fair too. Or, or, or are they are, are they even putting themselves in the position to succeed? Right, like they. Right. I I I, I I'm sure they were reached out to, and, and I'm sure there was some like you know are, are you potentially interested? And there's some back channels before and interviews you know requested, but. Um, yeah, I'm sure those people have to wait too. Like, what, what's you know, is, is this something that I really want? Is this something I'm going to succeed at? What's uh, what's the structure too? Because you need you need the proper support if you're coming in from a different sport and, and as much research and studying as you do. Um, there's there's a there's a uh, there's a prestige aspect to it too. Being mentioned as in one of these jobs with anybody, it's always a good thing, right? It's never bad for your reputation yeah. to be I'm interviewed. Sure, yeah, I'm, sure, I'm sure all these people, yeah, their, their statuses yeah. kind of grew after Every, this, right? Eric Tulski was known in the hockey industry. Now he's known by a lot more people. Teresa Resch, I had never heard of her. Now I know who she is. I looked her up and she's very impressive. Same with Jeff Greenberg. Never heard of him before. Now he's a, now more people in Chicago know who he is. That, that's never a bad thing if you have higher aspirations within or without of your own sport it's always good to be in the mix for a job like like it, it's not like like if you or i were applying for a job and we didn't get it it's like okay well that sucks but in their industry being mentioned let alone interviewing being mentioned in a job that's like a cottage industry is like people trading their names hey say that i'm up for this job because it makes it makes me look good you know like just to be interviewed is a huge deal and raises your profile so it, it's good for everybody it's good for the blackhawks to get outside perspectives it's good for these candidates to get their name out there and to see if this is something they'd be interested in but i don't think it's realistic within the current structure the blackhawks are creating here unless they're open to completely overhauling it. Uh, according to my sources, the Bla- Mark Lazarus has been offered a million dollars by another organization. So I, I hope the Athletic. Uh, I hope it's uh, the New York Times. Uh, pony up in that uh, and <laughs> increase your status. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I, I but I I would expect it here in the next week or two that we're going to start getting answers, and I and I expect soon that we'll we'll hear more about the the TV broadcasting and. Um, yeah, there's the good thing is that I, I guess, you know, once a dread, the trade deadline is passed that we, we probably have more forward thinking things to write about too, that it's just been, it's, it's so much about the trade deadline because the team's been out of it. And, and for so long, the Blackhawks have, uh, yeah, they, they, they've obviously been quiet about a lot of different issues and they, uh, I, I would expect that, you know, people talk around, you know, when there's a GM hired and, you know, a lot of these things that they, they seem to be more open, um, you know, obviously the, 
the town hall was supposed to be the start of that, and it was sort of derailed. So, you know, how'd that, how'd, how'd that go? <laughs> um, but but, I, but I, I sense overall that there, there's there's an interest of wanting to be open more, yeah, just be more transparent about things that are going on. So I, I think, um, yeah. I think, I think the Blackhawks are making a lot of good moves here. They're doing a lot of the right things. They're saying a lot of the right things, Rocky obviously excluded. Um, I, I think there's reason for hope and optimism if you're a Blackhawks fan. And, and and if no for no other reason in that these people seem very realistic about where the Blackhawks are right now. They know the hole they're in on and off the ice, and they realize how long it's going to take and how difficult it's going to be to to get past that. It felt like the previous administration under Bowman and McDonough before him, there was this this idea that that they were the Blackhawks, and it was always success was always right around the corner, and they, they could always find a shortcut. And they never seem to acknowledge the reality. I mean, God, go back to the Notre Dame press conference after uh, in in the fall of 2015 when Patrick Kane had his very awkward, very uncomfortable press conference uh, in the wake of the uh, the later dismissed charges against him. And it, it it immediately transitioned from that to John McDonough going, "And the Blackhawks are the greatest, and we are the top organization in all of sports, and we're gonna, we just won the cup." And like there was always this sense that the Blackhawks. In reality, could do no wrong. They were bulletproof, and the current administration certainly acknowledges that they've taken a lot of bullets lately, and that it's going to be a long recovery uh, before that people take them seriously again. People give them credibility and respect again, um, and that's a good thing. There is an acknowledgement of reality here that hasn't existed for years, and so it's not going to be fun. It's not going to be quick, and it's sure as hell not going to be easy. There's no guarantee of success here, but you have an organization right now that again. Rocky aside, and Rocky is not really involved in the day-to-day here. He's not, you know, making the GM decision, things like that. You have an organization that understands its situation fully, in full, and is, you know, starting to lay the groundwork to fix that. It's going to take a long time. And, and I feel the off, off-ice stuff, like I, Danny Wirtz and Jamie Faulkner have a pretty good handle on it. And, and it's and it's now, again, like if Stan Bowman wasn't, you know, fired or let go or walked away for – the the Kyle Beach stuff like at this point he probably he, you know like the, there would have been full reasons to fire him for the on ice stuff and uh, just being able to hit reset because with, with Stan Bowman as general manager president of hockey ops like there was always going to be the challenge of like like there's just too large of a window that he's that the team has failed now and a lot of it you know obviously had to do with his decisions and and now being able to hit reset with a new GM just yeah I I, I know it's not how the Blackhawks planned it but to have a new GM and a new coach and it, it does allow them to take a fair assessment of everything, you know, like Stan Bowman and, and Jeremy Colleton, they got desperate there at the end. Like there was, they understood they had to win sooner than later for, for many reasons. And part of it was their job security. And, um, you know, four or five years down the road, you know, if the Blackhawks aren't winning, then yeah, the, you know, like that's when desperation kind of comes in for the new GM or coach too. But th- this allows them to take a step back and, and see what's wrong and see what's, you know, like there are a lot of issues and, and, um, and have those conversations with Kane and Taves. And, you know, like this is, um, you know, even Lucas Reichel, like I, I, as much as I was saying, like this kid needs to be up, like it, it's going to take time. Like he, he, he was noticeable against, um, who did they just play? Um, Columbus, Columbus, uh, no, not Columbus. Uh, who uh, they just played, uh, why am I, <laughs> all these, ga- all these games bloated and blurred together, yeah, man. They just played a good team. Um, oh, Florida, uh, Florida. They just played <laughs> and, and, and you'll be on the ice with Barkov and all these guys. Like he was, he was overmatched and. Um, like there's a patient approach with Reichel, you know, like there's a patient and, and there's not a whole lot in the system. You have a lot of defensemen and, you know, like there's, there's so many moves to be made and this trade deadline is so important to, to, to start, 
some of that, you know, just some of that movement. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think, you know, the Blackhawks are hitting reset in so many different ways in the organization and uh, having a new general manager and, and eventually probably, you know, it's whether it's a Derek King or a new coach. Like, yeah, it, it allows them to hit reset on the hockey side, too. So, yeah, um, and, 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 and the, whichever GM and coach does do come in, they're going to have the luxury of it being a public thing that, yes, we are starting from scratch here. We are starting over here. It sucks if you're a fan because it's been four or five years since yeah. the team has done anything. So you're starting maybe a five-year process in year five, which is just <laughs> an awful thought if you're a fan. But, you know, at least at least they're doing it the right way. And whoever comes in is not going to be in panic mode right away. They're going to realize the situation. And nobody wants to be the, the transitional coach, the transitional GM. But it's better than not having the job. And whoever's going to come in is going to have a leash. It's going to have some leeway. They're going to have time to fix this. And it's, they're going to need all that time because there's a lot to fix. Yeah. Um, this week's interesting where they have they have a bunch of practices. And, and it's... I feel like Derek King's had a pretty good mentality about this season from the start. You know, like obviously there there's kind of no pressure on him, but even now it's like, you know, we got three practice days. Let's let's put it to use and let's um and I, I think reality's kind of hit them in the face a little bit, just even with this homestand, you know, like they're not yeah. getting points and uh whatever whatever hope they had you know it's kind of diminished at this point so but there's still like this idea like we should build we need to be pros we need to like we should still be working on things to improve whether it's you know beyond the season there's a lot of players on this team who are going to still be here so i i think i know i guess even as reporting on this team it's like it's challenging to cover some of these games and find what to write about but it sounds like you know just Derek king uh yeah i don't know they, they seem to have like he he knows that he still needs to be tough on them. Like, you know, like there, there's still things of value to pull from the season, uh, regardless of if they're in any kind of playoff race or not. Yeah, I feel like Derek King, I, you know, I, I don't think anyone, any of us expects him to keep the job long term. Uh, he might be in the conversation, but I don't think that's in the cards. But he really was the perfect guy. Like if that was a Kyle Davidson decision, if that was his first decision, that was a really good one. Yeah. Because, you know, he was the guy they need because not only did he just relax everybody, which Good Lord, did they need this place was so tense, but he's got a developmental mindset. He's been coaching in the AHL for a long time. He's used to dealing with young stars that are struggling and figuring out their way. He knows how to handle the egos. Um, he's been, he's just, you know, it's funny, like, like even for, a, even for the fan base, it's been, he's such an easy guy to like, right? He's so just relaxed and down to earth. He's self-deprecating. He says what's actually on his mind. He doesn't just spout a cliches. Uh, you know, when they're bad, he tells you they're bad. When he's good, he tells you they're good. When he's, you know, all, all like today, you know, uh, you know, there's, there's been a report out there that Brandon Hagel is on the trade block. And I'm not sure if that's actually true or not, but you know, someone asked, uh, I think it was Ben Pope asked, uh, Hagel that and Hagel had a funny answer about, Hey, it's flattering. Someone's going to give that much for me, a first round pick. Wow. That's I'm a six round pick. That's great. And, uh, and then, and then Derek King goes, uh, you know, if you talk to Kyle Davidson and, and, and is this something he goes, he goes, he better not be. Hayes <laughs> has to stay here. And he was like half joking and he said, like, you know, hey, whatever's best for the team. But he also like, he'll say that. He'll, he'll say what the, what yeah. the fans are thinking and what, what, what a lot of people are thinking. Like, no, why the hell would you do that? And there's an honesty and uh, just a, a, a relaxed attitude that comes in that probably comes across sometimes as disinterested almost like he's not taking this seriously but I don't think that's the case at all I think he was the perfect guy to kind of like make this season which was already lost when he got here on November 7th it was lost they were yeah. one nine and two you do not recover from that in the NHL you can't make up points in the NHL that way that easily 
so he came in and he made this lost season at least have some meaning. He's worked really well with some of these young guys. He's got the right attitude about Reichel. He's put D- Dylan Strom in position to succeed. You know, he's he's had patience with the guys that need it, and he's downplayed guy. He hasn't forced Henrik Borgstrom down anyone's throat because he knows Henrik Borgstrom just isn't happening here. Uh, he, he's he's done a good job of managing this team. Uh, they're they're better defensively. They bought in a little bit more with the you know the kind of more conservative style when necessary. And you know he's not going to win the Jack Adams, and he might not keep this job. But I think Derek King deserves some credit for for stabilizing the team this year. Like it could have got they're, they're, they've been a five hundred team since he took over. And with what we saw that first month of the season, that's no small feat. And and honestly, him taking the job was some risk in his part too. Like there's no. There's no given that he he goes back to Rockford or, you know, or he has, you know, I'm sure the Blackhawks, um, you know, they probably promised in some way, like, you know, this is, even if we don't hire you, you know, we like to keep you on. But it's it's also, you know, like that's got to be, he doesn't seem like someone who has an ego, but that would also be difficult to, you know, like to go back to the AHL or, um, you know, honestly, if, you know, if I was an NHL coach, I'd take him out as an assistant. I feel like he's such a, he has such a great demeanor and I'm sure there's gonna be future opportunities for him, but um, everybody you know, needs like, a good cop to go along with the bad cops, right? He's a perfect good cop. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and honestly, and as of late, you know, as they've struggled and, and some of the struggles have kind of, you know, early on, everything was, was so nice and, you know, sunny and everything was going, you know, at least things were different. And, and lately, like, you know, you've seen more of the inconsistencies and, you know, this team, you know, losing some more games and, he, and he's kind of said it, you know, he's like, you know, we could be harder on these guys. And then he often, um, and, and, and where, where Jeremy Collinson sometimes struggled that was bringing it back to himself and, and where Derek King said, you know, it's on us too as coaches. Yeah, and, yeah. um, so yeah, I don't know. There's, it's been a nice balance of, you know, accountability and, and certainly lighting things up and, uh, yeah, he's, you know, like it's, it's, <laughs> there isn't that tension around post game press conferences either, you know, like there's not <laughs> like, it's just not the same feeling. And I think, I think the players, um, you know, part of it might be just that, you know, that they, they, they see the standings and, and, and kind of realize that too. But I, I think overall, like he's, yeah, like you said, he's been, it's been really good in what they need at this point. And, um, yeah, he, it'll be, he's, uh, and he's certainly great from a reporter standpoint because he's a great quote. He's a funny guy. Yeah, like he, no, for he, sure. he is, he's, you know, you look around the, 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 the city, he's the most likable coach we've had in, in, in Chicago. And I, I don't know, since Joe Madden, maybe I don't even like Joe Madden that much. I always find him a little insufferable, but he's like the most personable, like, you know, TV friendly coach that the, that the team has had since Joel Quenville, certainly. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think Billy Donovan's pretty, pretty well liked. The yeah, no, that's the, fair. That's fair. The, as, at least what I've heard from the Bulls and stuff. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, that's, yeah, for us, it's been, yeah, it's, it's been really nice to have just, uh, with Colleton, it was just, yeah, toward the end there. And it was just, it was so, it, it was getting, it was getting tense. It was almost combative. You know, Colleton was, was, uh, uh, he was, he was a good quote when he wanted to be, he was very insightful when he wanted to get into some details, but it was just getting, like you said, it was tense and Un- almost uncomfortable by the end there well just it's personal and it's never felt personal with with Derek king just because right. I, I think that he came into it that way you know like um yeah i i, I guess under jeremy collins situation that's more the situation like you understand you know like it, it became personal like you he he didn't have the success he hoped to in the yeah, season we're, we're writing things right. we're, we're calling for we're, his job basically yeah we were yeah. you're calling out his system and all those things so like that <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's he reads that and he's going to naturally not be happy about it. I, that's did, totally, did you, that's part of the job. That's fine. Did you watch any of the uh, much of the Olympics hockey wise? Uh, just the women, really. I didn't really see much of the men. Uh, yeah. the, the, I, I watched the three or four of the women's games and was very upset about Team USA's power play. Um, it was really pissing me off, right? Yeah, it's funny. Like I'm not a jingoistic guy. Like I don't get all. I think it's really silly that we arbitrarily root for you know the random happenstance of someone's birth, but. 
except for the USA Canada women's hockey. I get fucking pissed when Canada <laughs> wins those games. And I, I, I'm not sure if it's because I'm, I'm a latent, uh, you know, dormant jingoist here, or if it's just because Canadians are so insufferable when they win. For, for me, I, I, yeah, I didn't watch a whole lot, but, but like when, when Slovakia, like I, uh, you know, one of my good friends, Thomas Prokop, is the uh, he's a reporter in Slovakia, and they they won the bronze, and like it was such a huge deal. Yeah. Like like it's kind of cool when sometimes you, even the, you know the NHL players went there and all these different things, but then you, you see a country that's still so excited. You know, it's, it's like when the World Championships that, that, that video that like, Miroslav Shatan tweeted out with uh, the kids going nuts watching them win the game uh, at a hockey practice. Like oh, that was that was really cool. Yeah, yeah, like that. Yeah, I don't know. Like at some level, like that feels like yeah, especially when it comes to women's hockey. Like it's either. You know, like it's it's Canada, U.S., and it, you sometimes forget about the larger picture of some of these other sports and how important it is to those countries. Well, well, it, you know, I, I'm a huge like I love Olympic men's hockey when it's best on best when the NHL players are there. But this is what the Olympics are kind of supposed to be, right? It's not yeah. supposed to be the megastars. And you know, I was happy for Team Finland. I did that story last year on uh, Finland when they won the World Championships a few years ago with Kevin Lankin in goal, and how it was like the biggest thing that's ever happened in Finland. Like, yeah. like there's like five million people in Finland. Like 3.5 million of them were watching that game, and like people. It was like the biggest day in the history of this of the country because the world championships has always been the one like more than the Olympics. You know, I asked Lincoln about that today. I go, does this does this trump you guys? And he's just like, oh, I can't rank them, but uh, I'm happy. <laughs> I'm happy Finnish hockey is doing so well, and it is. Yeah. It's it's you know if if Patrick Kane won the Olympic gold medal, it would mean the world to him, and he would go nuts and he'd be excited. Yeah. It's not the same as some college kid doing it or some 37 year old journeyman who's been you know busting his hump in Europe for 10 years since leaving the NHL and getting that chance. It does mean more when you're not already a multimillionaire Stanley Cup champion, I think. I think there's yeah. there's something to be said for watching. They're not amateurs. It hasn't been amateurs in a long time. Yeah. But that amateur mindset, it's it's really cool to see. Well, I mean, there were some amateurs. I mean, you had some college kids and stuff, too, that got involved yeah, yeah. this year, right? Actually, like the U.S. was like 15 college kids. It was mostly yeah. college kids, yeah. Yeah. Um. But uh, yeah, I, I assume that you know, like if the, the GM thing happens between now and the next podcast, I imagine we'll get on here sooner, and you know, maybe there's some more breaking news, and um, yeah, there's some games coming up again this weekend, so we'll have some games to talk about, and I'm, I'm sure we'll do some more of those call-ins too, and uh, yeah, ask you know, taking more questions and probably get the re- uh, listeners involved a lot more too as we uh, as we hit here. The uh, I don't know how many games left 20, 28, 29? Uh, one hundred and seventy-six, yep. I believe. Oh, it feels like it. I know. <laughs> Yeah, I, that's why you know I'm writing about you know goalies uh, groin I, stretching. I enjoyed so. that today. I, I, I read it before we got on the air and tweeted about it. I, it was it was a fun story. Like it just nice, yeah. yeah. It was uh, this is the kind of, the kind of story I used to be able to do on the regular when we were in locker rooms. Like yeah. like all of those quotes were gotten at the player tour before the season or at the All Star game where you have that kind of access. And yeah. you know this is like I miss writing stories about the minutia of the game like that. That's it was, it was I was glad to be able to get one out. Yeah, no, so. Um, yeah, so we'll be back at this uh, next week, otherwise, sooner if something happens. But for Mark Lazarus, I am Scott Powers, and this is Lazarus Powers. I can't fix it. I can help even just a little bit. Won't you let